Hello, welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm Dr. Ishan, a board-certified sleep expert. You may have experienced this before: that your brain just cannot shut down. It keeps on running, running at the night when you try to sleep. Sometimes that's anxiety-related. So, if anxiety gets in the way of our sleep, what we can do to manage that? And especially for women who are going through menopause, what can they do to help themselves manage stress, anxiety, and sleep better? Today, I invite mental health coach Margaret from England to share with us her expertise how to manage anxiety and sleep better. Before the interview, I want to make some quick announcement. First, congratulations to our listener Zing who gained a free access to my CBTI course. Second, this is a four-year anniversary for this podcast. Cannot believe it that I have been running this podcast since 2018 August up to now. It's exactly four years. Over the four years, I've been running this podcast out of my passion in order to learn new knowledge, and I got to connect with a lot of brilliant sleep experts. So I'm full of appreciation of this whole journey. So over the four years, I have been hiring editor team to help me edit the podcast, but I'm not monetizing this podcast at all. So starting from this episode, I want to try something different for the next several months. I want to call for support from you, my dear listeners, to help me support this podcast so we can keep on creating and keep this show going. There are several ways you can support my show. We have a donation link, buymeacoffee.com/drishan. I'm also affiliated with two products I have used and really loved. And you can find the information on deepintosleep.co/resources. Also, I have a insomnia treatment course in both Chinese and English. And please feel free to share the news to whoever may need it. I would love to hear from you to get more ideas. What are some methods that this show can be supported and keep on going? I really appreciate to have you listening to this show and have you with me along this journey. So let's welcome today's guest, Margaret. A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. Hi Margaret, welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Aisha, thank you ever so much for having me. So you are from UK. I'm from America. So we are connecting across the earth, basically. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? I love technology. <laughs> <laughs> so at the beginning, how about you introduce yourself to our audience? Okay, so I'm in the UK, down in the south of England, and I'm I'm kind of a therapist, but I've got lots of different strings to my bow. So I'm a herbal therapist,、um, a cognitive behavioural therapist, an emotional freedom technique therapist, mindfulness coach, and and various other bits and pieces I've collected because I find that sort of having lots of different strings to my bow means that I can make really bespoke、uh, treatment plans for my clients. Wow, that's wonderful! You are well equipped with a lot of、uh, skills to really help people. So, what kind of population you work with most? So, I 
a big variety normally, but they, I get a lot of menopausal and perimenopausal women and I get a lot of people suffering from anxiety and the big range of things that that can cause. Mm, okay. So what have you noticed among, let's just talk about this population, right? For women with uh, menopause or high anxiety or both. <laughs> Sounds like an awful combination. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, once women hit the menopause, a high anxiety is, is one of the things that can really hit them. Um, but the main problem with both parties is lack of sleep, having either having problems getting to sleep or they wake up in the night and they can't get back to sleep. And, and I find that by really working with them to fix that first step, a lot of the other problems kind of filter out. Mm, I like that. Well, you know, clinically here, we always tell people, well, if you're, you can sleep better, right? You possibly, your mood is going to be better and other things. Is that something you observe in your clinical work too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a good night's sleep helps you cope better with life, which makes you less stressed, which makes you less anxious. It also helps with things like weight loss. It helps balance out the hormones. So for both kind of anxiety and menopause, it, getting people to sleep is, is just the, the, one of the first things. Mm. What for, for this population, what stops them from sleeping well? So with the menopause, a lot of the time they get anxious. So that's, you know, and, and the anxiety people, it's often a case of stuff going around their head. They go to sleep and it's like, yeah, I'm tired now, going to sleep. And they put their head on the pillow. And it's like, yeah, we've got that meeting tomorrow. And that person's going to be there. They're going to ask you really difficult questions. And then, then your mind just runs away with itself. And before you know, it's a couple of hours later and you still haven't slept. And then you're stressed that you haven't slept and you're not going to have slept enough. And there's that anxiety aspect. And the other one is waking up in the night. And then not being able to get back to sleep because you know what it's like at three o'clock in the morning, the stuff that worries you in the light of day is nothing, but at that time, or, or you kind of forget something you're like, okay, I need to email him. I need to email him. I need to email him. And then your brain just kind of goes, okay, I'll remember that for you, but you won't sleep. Yeah. So that's kind of that. And then for menopausal women, they often get night sweats. Uh, hot flashes, night sweats. Hot flashes, night sweats, that kind of thing. So once you're awake, your brain then starts it's little chattering monkeys and, and it keeps going. Yeah. Imagining you are staring at a ceiling in the middle of the night. Right. And I think what possibly make it worse is you look at the clock right in front of you or near you, <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah, you know, I always tell people, put the clock out, just put the clock out because you're just going to sit there going 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour. I get up in an hour, you know, it, you just got this count up. If you put the clock away, it takes one of those worry things away. I like that. Yeah, it's amazing how people like to look at the clock when they cannot sleep. What's the point? It just makes it so much worse, but we all do it. Let's be honest, we all do it. But no, I, I was like, uh, clock out, set your alarm and put it on the other side of the room and don't look at that clock. Right. And nowadays, I think it's really hard. We don't have just a traditional clock. We have phone, we have uh, sleep tracking, like trackers, right? All the other things, they all somehow all have the clock in it. <laughs> and I think the sleep trackers can sometimes cause a bit of anxiety as well, because, I mean, we all like looking at how well we're doing. And if, if the sleep tracker says we didn't sleep, even though we feel good, we kind of think, oh, I didn't sleep, so I shouldn't feel good. It's, it, we're such strange creatures as humans. 
Yeah, wow, we are so easy to be impacted by all this data and numbers and all these things. People don't even possibly fully understand, right? A lot of people don't even understand how much deep sleep they're supposed to have. And the data just uh, scare them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's we kind of we do do a bit of googling, don't we? And then we're suddenly armchair experts and 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 I kind of I normally get people to just don't do that kind of thing. And actually, one of the clocks that I do recommend is um, have you you know the sunlight ones? Oh, the sunlight ones. Which one? Okay, they're 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 brilliant. You basically set your alarm say for seven o'clock in the morning, uh-huh. and what happens is from six thirty it starts a very small light that gets brighter and brighter so it kind of wakes you up nice and gently and because you know that's going to happen you kind of it's much easier to get to sleep and and know that your alarm's going to wake you up it's not got a clock um, and it's a much more gentle way of waking up I find that people really find that beneficial oh yeah yeah even myself um I have like smart lights at home so I would say that in addition to alarm clock, just in case alarms won't be able to wake me up, <laughs> I'm more like a night owl-ish. So getting up is a little bit harder for me. Um, yeah, With the light, set it up. So it starts lighting up a certain time. I find it's hard to stay asleep once it's bright. Right. That's good if you want to stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But w- what if people want to stay asleep? Yeah, it's it, it's kind of different things, really. So say with the menopausal women, I would work on their hormones by having a look at their nutrition, um, having a look at the pattern of their day, working with herbal therapy um, to try and balance some of that out. And then with the anxiety, sometimes herbal therapy, but it's things like having a good routine. When you get up in the morning, open those curtains and get the light coming in. It resets your body clock. It tells your body, right, I'm awake now. And therefore, in a certain amount of time, I want to sleep. Don't have caffeine before you go to bed. Try and drink less water in the few hours before you go to bed so you don't wake up to the toilet as much. Just lots of little, there's lots of little tips and tricks to do. Um, yeah. You know, but I, it's sort of, for me, a lot of it is working on why are you waking up? What's waking you up? What's keeping you awake? And then and then working through those things. Um, and um, yeah, sort of my 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 way of working is, is very individual. So say, for example, I had somebody recently and, and she's got a lot of night terrors. So we were working on what's causing the night terrors. Cause then when she's awake, she then runs through it, but actually we found ways for her to stop doing that, which means that the night terrors are coming down and then she goes back to sleep really quite quickly. So it's, it's quite individual, but I think good sleep hygiene, as I'm sure, you know, is having a routine before bed, just make sure you keep that routine. Your brain loves routine. I know that if I switch the television off and then I go and have a nice cool shower and then I get into my nice clean sheets and then meditate for a bit and just do that routine, your brain kind of goes, okay, I know what happens next. And then after that is sleep. Right, right. Yeah, I think all those little things build up, right? And uh, a lot of things easy to do, even though not everyone chooses to do it. But I like your approach. It's not just those little things. There's something deeper than that. There's something... In internally, we need to process and understand to really work on the root. Yeah. And, and I mean, for some people, it's quite big. Um, but for other people, um, I tell you, one of the best things that you can do, everybody can do this, is get a notebook by the side of your bed. Oh. And then before you go to sleep, 
brain dump. It's not journaling. It's literally all that stuff that's whirring around in your head. I wasn't good enough at that. I could have said that in an argument. I'm worrying about this. Do you just write it all down? You just get it all out. Bullet points, sentences, essays, don't care. However it works for you, get it out in that book and then have a separate one that's a to-do list. So you're thinking, right, I need to remember to take my phone charge tomorrow, write it down. And then your brain's kind of got it all out and it doesn't need to worry about it. And actually we can start seeing some things and go, well, actually I shouldn't really worry about that. So you can kind of get rid of some of those things and others you'll see patterns. And then what you can do is it helps you get to sleep quicker because you don't have that stuff running around your brain over and over and over again. And then if you wake up in the night and you're thinking, I've got to remember to send that email, write it down. Mm. And your subconscious goes, I don't need to remember that. It's written down. So you can go back to sleep. Or if you wake up and go, oh gosh, what if that person says this? And what if that person says that? You do write it down, just write it all down and it gets out and it means your brain's calm and you can go back to sleep. And I think everybody who I give this to really benefits from it. Because I think a lot, if you say to people journal, it's a bit, you know, journaling, it's got to look pretty and my handwriting's got to be nice. It's got to be a nice book. It's like, no, no, this is a brain dump. This is everything that's in here that's whirring around. Get it out. Ideas, get it out. Worries, get it out. And I think people really benefit from that. Right. I like that. Artists start having the image, right? Put whatever in your head, out of your head, on a piece of paper uh, or in a notebook. And then your mind know, okay, it's somewhere. I'm not forgetting those. If it's something to do or it's not bothering me in my head, it's outside now. Now I can possibly calm for a little bit. Yeah. A lot of people find that really beneficial. It just, it just gets that worry and those concerns or all those brilliant ideas on paper. And, and I think our brain works in such a way that when we put something down on paper, it kind of, you can see it, you can see the reality of it. And sometimes you look at it going, why am I worried about that? What's, what's, what's that problem? And other times you're just like, okay, I really need to fix this. And then you can, you can do whatever you need to do to fix it. Cause it becomes a bit clearer because it's written down. Right. Exactly. I notice a lot of people, if they, well, if they write down or somehow they track how many thoughts they have right before sleep, right. During daytime, if you ask them to think again, it's like, it shrinked a lot yeah, at yeah. night. They are thinking like 100 things are so important. So bothering them in the morning after a night of sleep, maybe only two things left. They really need to worry about all this are like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the, that's that three o'clock in the morning. You start going, Oh my gosh, that person who pulled out in front of me. Oh, they, they could have crashed my car. I don't have the money for the new car. And, and it becomes this huge thing in your head. And you wake up in the morning going, they didn't hit my car. What was I worried about? You know, and it, but if you write that down, you can sit there and go, yeah, I really don't need to worry about this. I can go back to bed now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a great idea. Whoever listening, right? If you listen to this, <laughs> start using it. <laughs> Try it. Let me know how it goes. And it doesn't matter if it's a pencil on a scrap of paper or it's a posh notebook with a fountain pen. Just don't use your mobile phone because the mobile phone has the blue light and that stimulates your brain to think that it's daytime and, and that starts messing with your, your yeah. waking cycles. Yeah. I was thinking writing or even drawing, right. Yeah. Would be so fun. You just dump your idea. It does not matter in what way, but you will be surprised. A lot of people, once you hear something like that, first reaction is, can I do it on my phone? Can I write it on my notepad on my phone? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, because the, the, 
because you know when I said a first thing to do is open your curtains and let the light in because it says to your brain right wake up now our phones and our laptops and our televisions and our, our tablets all the electronics they have the same kind of light it's blue light and therefore it hits the brain and the brain goes oh I should be awake now but I'm trying to sleep now but then it gets confused so and I think actually the act of writing the actual uh, is really important to processing yeah yeah and I don't know everyone feels this way. I find writing, it's very soothing because, you know, you, you do mindfulness too, right? When you write, there's a sound between the pen and the paper. Sometimes you can even smell the, the pen, depending on what kind of pen you are using. And yeah. I used to buy those um, scented pen from China. They smell so good. I don't know if they're healthy though. <laughs> And then you have multiple colors, just look so well. So it's like you're using your five senses when you yeah. write and you feel the touch, the pen and the paper, you feel the pressure. So that's like, I feel like that's a very mindful moment. If yeah. you do it on your phone, it's like tap, 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 right? Um, a lot is missing. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of miss that connection. And I think because the way we're all taught uh, when we're kids to write and express ourselves through writing, I think that really processes everything. And I always say to people, it doesn't matter what your handwriting looks like. This is not going to be graded or seen by anybody else. Just, just get that information out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I notice nowadays the children so sad they are so trained by the technology. I used to have this cute phone, sh like a uh, cover with marshmallow on it. And the, the camera part looks like a button in the middle of the marshmallow. And uh, the kid, a family kid, keep on pushing my camera, trying to make the marshmallow move and nothing happened, right? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're learning in such different ways. I've got a niece and nephew who are both three and the way they're learning is so different. And they don't get much technology time as well, but they they can they can pick up the phone and use the touch screen and everything else. It's quite amazing. Yeah. So I'm wondering the technology nowadays, whether that make people more anxious. I think years ago I read some papers that um, even if we put the phone in the same room with us, people experience higher level of cortisol like a wow. kind of stress hormone, even if it's in the same room as you. Once you remove the phone outside of the room, the cortisol level goes down a little bit. I was like, huh, technology really make us anxious? We don't even realize? I mean, I, I, I've read papers where they talk about social media and, and kids and getting likes and comments on social media gives them a dopamine hit. Mm literally gives them a dopamine like a, like a mini high and therefore they get anxious when they don't get it and they're, they're developing brains getting all this dopamine means that that becomes their normal level and therefore when that doesn't happen it falls below and I think that's yeah we've got to be a bit careful but yeah, yeah I, and related to sleep I think you know not only the blue light is similarly the social media the likes not likes all these comments are even different news, right? If there are certain things really trigger people, you read those at night, which is the time and we normally have finally some personal space. We start doing all this fun stuff and then yeah. got a different trigger. <laughs> or checking our emails and getting an email from a client or your boss and you're suddenly having to think about that. Just don't do it. Just, just switch it onto airplane mode, put it somewhere else if you use it as your alarm and, and just go with that. It's, yeah, it's like you say, it's just 
to switch it off and, and put it somewhere else and, and save yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Regarding the tips you gave, dumping things out, mm. uh, I want to ask about the to-do list also, since you, you treat a lot of people with anxiety. So I do meet some clients, sometimes they find uh, have a to-do list or a dump list like that is really helpful. But for other people, they find a to-do list very overwhelming. It's like forever long, always full of stuff, never really gets less. <laughs> yeah, the to-do list is simply things that you've just remembered that you don't want to keep remembering all night. It's not a, right, I'm going to sit down and I need to plan this and plan that. It's just a case of, right, I need to iron my shirt in the morning. Um, I need to take my phone charger um, or, or I need to send that email. It's not a, a plan your day list. It's just a, I've just remembered that, but I don't want it playing on my mind all night list. But yeah, I, I, people have lists of lists. I mean, they become quite obsessive and I, that's that's not healthy. So it's, yeah, I, I see where you're going with that one. But this is more a case of ah, just remembered and just need to make sure I don't forget. Yeah, yeah. So do it right, right? It's, it's su- su- supposed to be a very calm, chill, easy way. Really just throw things out, not like burden yourself or like, let me sit down, use half an hour to think what I should do t- for the next month. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's nothing to do with that. It's simply a case of, ah, yeah, okay. I, I forgot to do that. Because um, because your, your subconscious tries to be helpful, doesn't it? It's like, okay, so we need to do that. That's really important. I'm going to keep remembering that all night long. And that disturbs your sleep. So just kind of getting that right. Okay, put it down on paper. Your subconscious goes, brilliant. I, I don't need to remember that anymore. It's down. Let's do. Have you find anyone, they uh, are going through menopause, but they are not have a high level of anxiety, do these two always go together? Or sometimes you you may see people, you know, only have one. Yeah, I mean, the menopause is, 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 is kind of crazy and we all think we know what it is, but there's like, I think there's about 150 different symptoms and some people will get loads of anxiety and other people will actually be fine. Some people will sleep more than normal. Other people will sleep much less. It's, it really is an individual personal thing. I mean, and occasionally you'll meet a woman who goes, yeah, my period stopped. That was it really. Nothing else happened. Mm. And you sort of go, Oh, wow. You were really lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think lack of sleep is the one that bothers people the most. Um, but anxiety is a real key. It's a real key thing for a lot of menopausal women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sleep better. I can understand it possibly can help with anxiety. Do you notice it can help with the symptom of menopause too? Yeah. Uh, getting a good night's sleep will often mean that it helps balance your hormones better. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of other symptoms that come with the menopause. Um, so you get your anxiety, you get things like weight gain, you get poor memory, you get, you get brain fog and sleeping through the night helps reduce those symptoms as well. So actually getting a good night's sleep is really important. It helps you cope better with the day, cope better with stress, improves your memory, improves your cognition and can help with regulating weight. Oh, wow. There are so many benefits of it. Yeah. Sleeping through the night. That's why I say it's one of the first things I absolutely try and work with people with. Right. So will you uh, help those women with menopause who suffering from, you know, poor sleep? Uh, do you like, what are some approach you find really benefit them? Um, so one of the first things I will look at is maybe using herbs, um, to help support. Um, so I'm not anti HRT or medication or anything. I will often work with people who 
don't want to, can't take HRT or the HRT is just not helping with everything. So that's kind of one of the ways I will get them doing mindfulness. And a lot of people kind of go, mm, mindfulness, that's kind of a bit woo-woo and everything else. It's like, well, actually it's not. There's so many ways that you can be mindful. Like you were saying earlier, writing and drawing. There's colouring in books, you know, the, the, the adult colouring in books. Some people love those. It's just colouring in the lines and you're just focusing on colouring in the lines. Um, I get people to go out in nature. There's loads of different ways of being mindful. I even wrote a book. I got so bored with giving lists. I wrote a book and I give it to my clients. Oh, that's <laughs> 17 awesome. different ways of being mindful. I'm like, look, there's going to be one in here that works for you. Um, even things like photography. If you like taking photographs, you just being in that moment and focusing and the shadow and the light and the composition and everything, that's mindful. So getting people to be mindful is really important. Routines in their life, their nutrition. There's quite a lot with menopause to, to look at and, and guide them through. Oh, okay. Wow. So sounds like uh, it's really, it's, it's not how to battle the symptom to make the symptoms go away. Sounds like how, it's more like how to coexist with the symptom. Right. To a certain extent, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can you can get people sleeping better. You can get them having less hot flushes. You can get the anxiety down. But some of those symptoms are still going to happen because the menopause is happening. The, the, the hormones are all over the place. It's like a reverse teenage. You know, when, you know, teenagers, they suddenly got this flood of these hormones up and down and they just don't know what weighs up. It's kind of a reverse of that. All these hormones are being taken away in different levels and all of your body has to cope with that. So teaching people coping mechanisms is actually really quite important. And I use things like I, I teach emotional freedom technique, the tapping routine. That really helps people so much coping with not just the anxiety and the stress, but all the other emotions that can come with it. Because for a lot of women, they're not fertile anymore. So they lose a little bit of their womanhood, which they don't, but to them they do. So getting them to cope with that kind of thing. It, it's, it's, yeah, the menopause is really multifaceted. Yeah. I think you mentioned a really good point. There's some grief and loss involved in mm. this life transition. There can be for a lot of women, especially if they haven't had children and they wanted children. Um, so there's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge um, sort of expanseful area. Um, and I, I, I give people, I, I try and, I try and give people the tools to cope as well as helping them with the symptoms and everything else, it's give them tools to cope and, and to live a happier and healthier life in the future. Because if you can, if you can learn mindfulness, if you can exercise a bit more, sort your nutrition out and, and learn how to deal with feelings and emotion, it's not just the menopause that benefits, it's the rest of your life. If you're sleeping better and you're healthier and happier, you've got a much happier, better life. Right, right. I like that uh, bird view kind of thing, right? It's not just this one um, problem you're struggling with is like how to improve the whole quality of life and yeah. they all relate to each other. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's so interesting. And um, so you have that book <laughs> to really summarize all these mindfulness techniques, all these like wonderful coping strategies sounds like. Do you <laughs> well, like write different books? <laughs> well, I kind of, I wrote a book on the mindfulness because I, I was kind of, Mindfulness and meditation is such a huge part of my life. And once people get it and do it, it's such a huge part of their life. But getting people to try is it can be so hard. And so I was just like, I used to give this list of right, try this and try that. And I was like, do you know what? I'm just gonna write a book. And and I here is the book. Go through it. There's 
right? This technique, and here's some pages to write down your experience. And there's another technique, and there will be something in there that you will love, enjoy, and benefit you. Wow, that's wonderful. Like, can people find the book on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. I, I, I tell you, I'll, I'll give you the link and you can put it at the bottom afterwards. Okay, great. So whoever listening, if you're curious, right? If you, if you want to try out mindfulness, check out this book. Yeah, I often, because I'm in Bay Area, uh, in San Francisco Bay Area, there's a lot of engineers here. There's a lot of uh, tech company here. And uh, mindfulness is huge here, but I definitely hear from a lot of people. They cannot get into it. It's just their mind keep on wandering. They cannot yeah. focus. Um, so somehow they, they keep on saying mindfulness is not for me, right? Uh, it's not something I could do. I cannot do that. What do you say to people like that? They've probably tried maybe guided meditations or they've probably tried breathing. And let's be honest, we're so used to our brain chattering away. So many thoughts and everything else. It takes time. It's a practice. It, it just... You know, it takes time. I, I've spoken to Buddhist monks who have been practicing for 10, 20 years. And they say to me, do you know what? Sometimes I still am doing my shopping list in the back of my head. And if these people can't do silence for 10 minutes, then who can? But it's, it's about finding what works for you. And, and walking through nature can be mindful. But just when your brain is going, need to send that email, need to buy that for dinner, just go, thank you, but I don't need you right now. And just focus back on whatever you're doing, whether it's breath or listening to the birds or, or taking a photograph or, or whatever it is. It's it's a practice. It's you know it's like everything in life. If you just tried to swim without lessons, you you probably give up quite quickly. Yeah, I like that. Right, like mindful walking, enjoying the nature, and yeah. uh, I even heard mindful teeth brushing, <laughs> mindful yeah. eating. All those. They, they, day-to-day life. It does not have to be a special thing. No, no. And this is the thing. I think once people, you know, you could do mindful mopping or my, mindful vacuuming. Hmm. It's it, whatever it is in your life that you just, it's just about being truly in that moment and not worrying about the past and not worrying about the future, but just really focusing on the now because you can't change the past and the future hasn't happened. So if the more time we can spend in the now, the less anxiety we have, and the more joy and beauty we can observe in what we've got. Mm. Yeah, live as a present moment. As much as we can. <laughs> I like that, as much as we can. Don't put the expectation too high, right? There's no way anyone going to live as a present moment 100% all the time. I, exactly. And you know, we are so hard on ourselves. We are so hard on ourselves. So if somebody tries mindfulness a couple of times and goes, it doesn't work for me, it's like, don't be hard on yourself. Just enjoy what you did get right. If out of 10 minutes breathing, you spent one minute mindful, that's one more minute than you would have had. And next time it might be one minute and 10 seconds and give it a couple of weeks. And I think it's eight weeks. If you are, do mindfulness or meditation for eight weeks, they start seeing reduced cholesterol, reduced blood pressure, reduced heart rate. It's amazing. Reduced pain, improved sleeping. The benefits are huge. Mm. Yeah, I know a lot of people start practicing mindfulness exercise before bedtime or first thing in the morning, and they find it's really helpful to either sleep or their mood in general. Yeah, I mean, you know, I often get people to do it at night to help sleep, but also uh, in the morning, a little bit of mindfulness and then gratitude. 
you know, write down five things that you're grateful for, but not just like I'm grateful for my home, but why are you grateful for it? I'm grateful for my home because it gives me shelter and warmth. Um, I'm grateful for my cats because they're hilarious and they make me laugh and they give me unconditional love. If you add the extra bit, it makes it so much better. And just five of those to start your day, you just start your day in gratitude and, and nice and calm and in a beautiful way. Wow. Yeah, that's a beautiful strategy. It's like we got so many wonderful strategies, whoever <laughs> listening, right? <laughs> try them all, see what works. <laughs> yeah, try them all, try them out. Try like whatever you think is doable for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not yeah. all of them are perfect for everybody, um, but sort of trying them and giving them a proper go and, and just be kind to yourself. Just because you have a bad day, or just because you have a bad five minutes, don't throw away the rest of the day. And I think I, we can often be really guilty of that, can't we? Ah, oh, I know this terrible thing happened. The rest of the day is now ruined. It's like, it was just an hour. Put it away. Go back to some gratitude. Do some mindfulness. Listen to your favorite song. Have a dance. Watch the birds. Stroke your cat, whatever it is. And then enjoy the rest of your day. Don't throw it away. Yeah, I love that. How many people are like, ah, oh, this ruined my day, ruined my week, ruined my life. Yes. Uh, one small thing won't really destroy our life. Yeah. We, we, I think we can destroy our own life if we. Oh, well, we were our, were our own worst critics. Uh, we are seriously our own worst critics. We look, we look in the mirror and go, oh, compared to oh, that's fat, that's wobbly, that's wrinkly, that's gray, that's whatever. And then, yeah, we, we're our own worst critics and we do that to ourselves. <laughs> I like that. I think you touch on a lot of typical struggles people with anxiety really, really have to fight for, right? Perfectionism, catastrophizing, and self-blame, self-criticizing, all this little voice in their head too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If I should have done that, I could have said this. If I'd only done this, then it would have happened like that. And it just, it eats us up, doesn't it? That's why the, that's why the brain dumping is great because you just get it out and, and write it down. And then sometimes when we look at it, we can just go, what? You know, it, when it's written down in black and white, we can really truly look at it and just go, why am I doing that? Why, why am I doing, I can't change what happened. Move forward. Yeah, move forward. Yes. Make peace of that and move yeah. forward. Sometimes and I find, let it go. Yeah. And I find the emotional freedom techniques really good for that. Because sometimes it's like, yeah, just let it go. It's fine. And the person's sitting there, how on earth do I let that go? So I find working people with tapping really teaches them a way of letting it go. Because it sort of just changes our thought patterns about that and how we feel about that and what it meant to us and everything else. And we can kind of, it's like turning the dial down on a stereo. It goes from being really loud to really quiet, and then we can move forward from it. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with emotional freedom, but sounds like a very uh, useful like strategy. It is really useful. It's, it's useful because it's quick and easy, and you don't have to dig too deep into issues and problems, oh. which for a lot of people brings stuff up and can be quite traumatic, so you can work through. But it's really easy to teach people how to do it so that they can go away and, and take empowerment of their own thing. Oh. which is really, it's, it's really cool and really, it's, and it's such a simple technique. Oh, okay. Cool. Did you see you, you like use tapping as a way to help people? Yeah. So there's a, it's, oh. it's a tapping routine and oh. then a way that you say it. So for example, you would say, even though I'm really angry at that person for what they did, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. 
So you acknowledge you're feeling an emotion, but you acknowledge that you're still lovable. It's still okay. And then what happens is you work through this tapping routine on certain acupuncture points, actually. And it comes down and down and down. And sometimes what you'll find is that I'm really stressed. I'm really stressed and stressed. So you work on stressed and it might go from a 10 out of 10 down to like a six out of 10, but it won't come down. Actually, I'm stressed because I'm going to see my mom and and she's going to be really mad at me. So you then use that and you'll find that actually it comes right down because you can kind of pick it out. Wow. It's, it's, It's fascinating the way it works. First time anyone explained it to me, I was like, yeah, sorry, you, you, tapping points on my face and my body and I'm going to feel better. And they went, yeah, yeah, I'm like, you're insane. And they did it on me and I just went, oh, I have to learn how to be a therapist in this because I work with people who are in pain, who are anxious, who are menopausal. This this is amazing. This is, this is empowering for me and for everyone else. So, yeah, it's a really awesome one to learn. Oh, great. Well, if anyone listening want to, you know, get your, get help from you, go to find Margaret, right? Like get this, <laughs> try this technique out. Sounds like amazing. It's brilliant. Uh-huh. So do you accept clients all over the world globally? Yeah, I do. Um, the, with the herbs, it's a little bit more difficult because um, the qualifications, different areas, insurance, et cetera, but everything else. Yeah, absolutely. International. That's, that's oh. I, one of the things that the lockdown of COVID did was really open our doors to being able to be, you know, you don't just have to be in my local area. You can be anywhere in the world. And that was just so beneficial, I think, for a lot of us. And I get to meet people from all around the world and learn about them and and their cultures and everything else. And I, I, yeah, that's an awesome part of my job. Yeah. Wow. Sounds really exciting. I can see how passionate you are with what you do. (laughs) I will talk forever on this. (laughs) Awesome. So if our listeners want to find you, how can they find you and your book? Uh, So how about I send you over the link to my Facebook page, my website and the link to the book? Yes. So I will put all the links um, in the show note and underneath the show. Anyone who are listening can just go down to the description section and click through the links. Fabulous. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's the Nadara process. Um, so it's kind of like a process using all the different bits that started off mainly being with menopausal women and then lockdown hit and there are a lot of anxious people and I kind of put them through the same process and work brilliantly. So and Nadara is Celtic for natural. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of the natural process. So the Nadara process. But yeah, I'll give you the links. Okay, great, great. Yeah, thank you so much, Margaret. Uh, any last wisdom you want to share with everyone? before we end? Uh, uh, We've talked about so much, haven't we? Just be kind to yourself. We are all doing the best that we can. And as long as you're doing the best that you can, just be kind to self and just appreciate yourself. Oh, so warm. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. You can find more information on the show note at deepintosleep.co. If you want to donate and support the show, the donation link is buymeacoffee.com forward slash Dr. Ishan. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to message me on the website. I am Dr. Ishan. Thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. 
and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.